What is up, the Tree Church? Thanks for joining me for another Bible study. Today we are studying out of the book of Romans again, obviously, chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. As is my rhythm, normally I will go ahead and read these verses first, and then I'm going to break that, these verses down uh, verse by verse. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 starts up this way. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We're going to back it up to verse 17 here. Um, a couple of things we need to go into this. We've probably, a lot of the pastors have said this on the Bible study. I know I have. You need to understand a little bit about Paul when he's writing this. Obviously, it says in 1 Timothy, all scriptures are inspired by God. So Paul is inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, um, to write this letter to the Roman church, to the believers in Rome. And he's writing here. You need to understand the author in this situation. You need to understand that Paul is writing uh, to people kind of like us, to the Western church, to a very greco Roman, Gentile, non-Jewish believer uh, type church, type of a community of believers. He's talking to that community, but he's talking from a framework of a Jewish man, a uh, very well-educated Jewish man who's had a conversion experience. You've heard his story, I'm sure, before. Who's had an experience with Jesus, the living God, uh, that radically changed him. But he's still, you know, going into this, he carries into it his, his prior understanding, his prior knowledge, his prior education of being a Jewish man. And that helps him so much. It helps us so much. It's helpful to us when he writes these letters, writes in these scriptures. In verse 17, uh, knowing that about Paul, we go into this. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Um, Paul knows that in the Old Testament, there are many instances where God commands. Um, he doesn't command revenge. He, he doesn't use that terminology, but rather he'll command uh, uh, to the Israelites to go into war, to go into battle and so forth. But knowing this, we know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here, Paul is not describing to us God's character because we actually know God's character. What he's telling us is actually he's giving us an application based on God's character. He's giving us an application based on God's character. So what he's telling us here is that actually, I'm not telling you how God feels about revenge necessarily. What I'm telling you is don't repay evil for evil. So it's actually instructing us on, here's what you should think about God, right? What, here's what you should talk about when you talk about God, is this is what you need to do. This is how you live your life, is if evil is done to you, don't repay it. It's not your place. It's not, it's not what the, a Christ follower is called to do. It's not your calling. It's to honor your enemy, rather. So you have actually, when you enter into the Christian faith, when you're following Jesus, you've asked God, you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You are entering into this new faith, this new path of, of life, right? You're saying, God, I want to trust in you. And because I'm putting my trust in you, I'm following you, Jesus. And I'm going to image you. I'm going to imitate you, Jesus. And the way to do that is to not, rather, repay your enemy with evil, 
even if evil is done to you, think about it. Think about the worst thing that someone could do to you. Someone, someone in your family has been even killed by this one person. This person is, is, is in court, is in jail, right? Like um, just that would be the worst example, right? Someone lies to you. Someone betrays you. Rather than repaying that evil with evil, actually you have a new calling. And it goes all the way back to what Jesus is saying on the Sermon of the Mount. Jesus being God in the flesh, he tells us. You have heard it said to hate your enemy. Now, Jesus, he's actually saying that's not found in the Old Testament anywhere. It's not found in the Old Testament to hate your enemy. That No one commanded that. God didn't say that. But Jesus was saying, hey, to his audience and to us, you've probably heard this. You've probably said, hey, your enemy's no good. Hate them, right? He's saying, you've heard it said. You've heard what maybe some rabbis have taught here in the, you know, we're talking in the Bible days in that culture. You've heard what's been taught. You've heard what's been said. But I'm telling you, not a new commandment, but the same commandment, is that instead of hating your enemy, instead of repaying that evil, instead of repaying the hurt that the enemy gave, rather, you're going to honor your enemy. Rather than what you've heard, I'm telling you what to do, is you're going to honor your enemy. The way, the, the, the mark of a true follower of Jesus is not to just love people, but it's to love the hardest people to love. It's to love the people that it's hardest to love. That it's easy to love your kids, your, your spouse, right? Because those people bring you so much joy. Uh, you got married to that person and, or you're dating that person. So you made this commitment that I'm going to love you. And they just bring you so much joy, so much fulfillment in life. That is so easy. Uh, it's not easy all the time uh, to love them well, but it's easy to love them. How about loving the person that is hardest to love in your life? And that's the mark of a follower of Jesus. That's what Paul is telling us. In verse 18 if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So Paul gives a little bit of a caveat here. He realizes as a human being that it's not going to be possible to live peaceably with everyone. That it's not always going to be possible to have peace with every single person. But if it depends on you, if the peace is being withheld by you, if it's because of you that there's no peace in the relationship, even if, there's a, if it's a stranger, even if it's, if it's someone that's commenting on your Facebook post because you made a statement, so on and so forth, they disagree with you. If it depends on you for peace, let it be you that creates peace. And James, he's quoting this. James says this, uh, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What a promise is that not only are you made righteous in faith, but if you're a peacemaker, if you're a person that, that sows peace into every situation, every relationship, James is telling us that God has a promise for us, and it's to reap a harvest of righteousness. Is He's putting a hierarchy almost on peace. He's saying, hey, you don't, you don't just get a little bit of righteousness, right? You don't get a little bit of righteousness just from sowing peace. But if you are someone that's a peacemaker, you are going to harvest this abundance of peace in your life and an abundance of righteousness ultimately. But you have to make it a priority. It has to be you. That if, you've, if possible, you're going to live at peace with everyone. And if you've made the effort... If you've put it out there, if you've loved them, even when they've done you wrong, you've loved your enemy, you've gone above and beyond, you've gone the extra mile. So, many, so much imagery comes from going the extra mile, the parables that Jesus talked about. Jesus talked a lot about loving people. If you could go and you could search through Scripture and you could say, you know what, I've done my very best according to God's Word, not according to what you think, 
But according to God's word, I've done my very best to be at peace with this person, and they still won't have peace with you. That, at the end of the day, is on them. But be sure, if it depends on you, so far as it depends on you, if it's possible, live peaceably with all. Verse 19 goes on to say this. It says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. I'll say that again. Beloved, never avenge yourself. Again, we're going back to the repaying no one evil for evil. So this is that, that, this is that idea of revenge. Now, I would say, in my, in my personal opinion, I would say verse 17 and 18 talks about a mental status. Or it talks about what you think of someone, right? That you're not going to think evil thoughts, right? You're not going to repay that evil with evil. That you're going to be at peace in your mind. That you're going to go out of your way to be at peace with people. Now Paul is talking about action. That the action of revenge, he's telling you to leave it. Don't do it. I won't get into the political implications of this, but in my mind, that, that would say that as a Christ follower, you're signing up for this, for a hard road. And one of the hard parts of that road is this, is that when someone deserves revenge, when someone does something so evil that of course that they, they deserve this punishment, this punitive thing, that leave room for God's, God to make it right. To leave room for God to bring about justice. Because even if you were to revenge, even if you were to repay that evil with evil, can I tell you this, that no justice will be brought. But if you were to leave room for God's revenge, and Paul's about to tell us how you do that, how you leave room, what you're supposed to do instead, replace that revenge with something. If you were to leave room for God's revenge, he's going to make it right. That revenge, that wrath of God, we really don't know what that looks like. A lot of times in our Western mindset and an American mindset, revenge looks a lot like uh, going out and performing some sort of action. I don't think necessarily Paul's communicating that. I don't think God's communicating that, that it's some sort of action or some sort of physical being. It could be. Uh, I don't know if we'll know all of that on this side of heaven, but I do know this, is that this is a promise that God's made before, and it's a promise that he'll bring about justice if you leave, leave room for that justice. That if you don't take it in your own, own hands, and rather give it into God's hands, put it into God's hands, and say, you know what, this wrong has been done to me, or to my friends, or to my family, and I'm going to give it to you to revenge me, God. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to trust that you're going to make it right. In verse 20, to the contrary, so instead of doing revenge, to the contrary, Paul says, instead of that, here's some, some more ideas. We move on on the screens as well here. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. So Paul's saying to go a little bit further than just forgiving your enemy, a little bit further than not acting revenge, but instead begin to meet needs of your enemy. That to practically love someone means to meet needs. That that's what cross followers are called to. And again, I could easily say, I could look through my phone at the top five people in my messages and say, these are the closest people to me. Of course I would meet these people's needs. But think about the people that have done the worst thing to you. Think about the people that just mean the very least to you. Paul is saying, not only do you not revenge or, or gain vengeance against them, not only are you not going to pay evil back to them, 
Again, Jesus talks about it in the Sermon on the Mount. He even says things like, turn the other cheek. You're not only going to do that, but you're going to go out of your way to go the extra mile and pay and, and pay them, really, and, and pay them in needs, fulfill their needs. So that if your enemy is hungry, feed them. Give of your food to them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. That if your enemy is in need, you're going to go the extra mile and do these things. And for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, there's a lot of loss in this illustration. Uh, a lot of times it'll, it'll seem that Paul is telling us that when you are kind to your enemy, uh, when you do these things, that you'll, it's a punitive thing. So you're heaping coals on their head, meaning when you get coals on your head, you're hot. Like I, I can imagine if, you know, yeah, mom or dad took some coals off the grill and put them on your head, like you'd be in trouble. Like obviously that's punitive. That's this punishment, right? Like the burning coals, so forth, all this imagery. But let me reflect some light on this culture. Um, burning coals meant life. Here's how. Um, a fire meant life to every family. That if they didn't have fire, they could freeze. That if they didn't have fire, they couldn't cook food. That fire, that burning coals, that live coals even, meant life. And Paul is saying that when you, when you uh, go out of your way to be kind to your enemy, to love your enemy to be practical in that love, to fulfill their needs, what you're doing in the grand scheme of things is you're fulfilling their need for an abundant life. In this culture, uh, people would carry around these baskets on their head full of coals. And if your coals were to go out, you would actually take this basket and you would go over to your neighbor and you would ask for some hot coals to put in your fire to keep your family warm, to, to be able to cook food and keep, sustain your family's life. In this way, Paul is saying, when you love your enemy, you are taking these hot coals and you're heaping it onto their head. Meaning that rather than the direction of revenge, you're going the very opposite direction, is that you're actually giving them life. You're actually giving them life. Heap burning coals in their head. It's not a punitive. It's not a punishment. You're literally giving them a life. Last thing, verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How do you overcome evil with good? How do you overcome evil with good? Um, we see it in movies. We read it in stories. Is that the good, the good guy versus the bad guy, this, this concept that the good guy sometimes always wins, right? Or maybe in some instances they don't. But what Paul is telling us is the only way to overcome the evil of this life, the brokenness of the world, how broken is it that that enemy even became your enemy? Because they had, must have had to do something to become your enemy. And that means there's evil. That means there's brokenness running rampant in our world. And the only way to overcome that is by doing good. Doing good is all these things Paul's listed. Fulfill the needs of others. Fulfill the needs of others who have hurt you. And you are heaping coals onto their head. You're giving them abundant life. So when they leave you, they can carry those coals and hopefully they change their ways that no longer are they acting like an enemy, but more like a friend. And they're going and they're heaping coals onto others' heads. Another way we could be the salt and light of this world. If you're kind when others aren't kind, if you forgive when others don't give, forgive. That you're peaceful and you want peace with people when those other people don't want peace. That's how you overcome evil. That's how you be the light in the darkness. Thanks for joining us on Bible study.